Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. Uh, we're back with a new episode, and actually, this is going to be the last up episode of a quote unquote season, whatever that means, as we kind of head into the fall. And I couldn't be more excited to have uh, the guest that we do today, Rick Tarosi, who I don't even know how to describe you, Rick. <laughs> and I'll let Nor you, do I. Yeah, but, yeah. But thank you for having me. Totally. And well, that's that's a big part we're gonna we're gonna talk about today, and. It, I mean, if you're involved in the business community, the tech community, you know who Rick is, you know the work uh, Rick does, um, not only in Portland, but you know some stuff nationally too. So I was really excited to, to have him on and, and chat through a few things. So Rick, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a, a longtime listener, first time guest, so <laughs> it's great to be here. So I think we'll jump into it. I think uh, for the people who don't know, you, you know, you run Pi. Can you just a little color about to you what that means? Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, just maybe a little background for people who don't know me. I worked in startups for about 12 years and then um, started this blog on a whim called Silicon Florist that, you know, I'd been blogging since the late 90s and no one else had ever read my blog. So I didn't expect it to be any different. But for whatever reason, it struck a chord here and I've been working on just had the 14th anniversary of that. Congrats. Thank you. And that led to Pi. And Pi is really just an ongoing experiment designed to figure out how the community can support early stage startups and founders and how to make it easier for corporations or government or more established entities to engage with startups for mutual benefit. And one of the things that's unique about maybe doing that in Portland, and I just watched another video of online, I think it was at a HubSpot or Hub event Mm, a few years ago about Mm us being aggressively humble, I think is what you said. Yes. Yeah. So how does that, yeah, that's the, that's the phrase I tend to use. And it's because I think it's a, I think it's a very positive aspect of our community, which has some detrimental or negative effects, which is, you know, everybody here just wants to do what they want to do. And they're really motivated and passionate about their projects, but they're, they also don't expect anybody else to be like, supporting them in that regard they just they Mm. they want this thing to exist Mm -hmm. and so they put the energy into that thing existing and not necessarily being terribly like self-promotional right well i think where 
this might be a good segue is to, I mean, we both love that about where we live and that ethos, but I think it's a challenge to some people who do really foster that community and make things happen of, you know, you're doing it out of, uh, your passion and things, but to make it sustainable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, It really is a challenge. Like when I, had the opportunity to start doing this work, it was, you know, largely a nascent kind of pursuit. There were a handful of us around the the country or around the world that were really taking on this role as a volunteer effort. It's a, it's a role that, you know, in some communities, this role is played by venture capital folks. In other communities, it's played by university folks or, or corporate folks. And here it just seemed like, and other places, sometimes an individual just needs to step in and start doing the work for the Mm -hmm. good of the community. But I don't think any of us, you know, had any idea of a potential business model or a way to make it sustainable when we started doing it. It was just like, this needs to be done and, and we need to step up and do it. Well, now that you are many years into this and you have seen um, venture capitalists or other kind of create a business model around it, yeah. Um, to be candid, does that annoy you? Does it? I, I don't know. No. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's not. You know, it's never annoying to me when somebody else figures out something innovative or like kind of the next stage of supporting this work. I think, I think what becomes kind of frustrating about it is if there's no clear way to reverse engineer that to help Mm. kind of the, the people who've come before or who blaze those trails. And, and I think the other part of it is kind of seeing the, the title become a business title or a, you know, a role and, and not, not really attracting people to that role who may have the same motivations. It's a, it's a job and they do that job well. And I'm not, arguing the the martyrdom of, oh, I do this for free, so I'm far more passionate about it. But mm-hmm. it's like the, it, this is becoming an actual role in many yeah. cities and towns in the U.S. and, and people are being um, hired to, to do this work. And mm-hmm. that's that's great because that makes it more sustainable for the people who, who come together in the future. Right. I mean, in the flip side of that, I guess we were chatting before we recorded that the folks that maybe who don't take on that quote unquote role, but are doing as a volunteer or things. If there isn't some kind of appreciation, I mean, it makes it really hard and maybe there's some, some burnout or certain communities where it's, you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. There's an awful lot of burnout in the industry and we've seen like we've, had fits and starts of, of trying to find like support networks or, you know, we reach out to peers that we recognize are doing similar work and, and try and support mm-hmm. one another. But fact of the matter is, you know, there's a great quote in a book called Startup Communities by Brad Feld that it's, you know, you're dedicating yourself to a 10 year process to build a startup community. 
And not only that, but every day is the first day of the next 10 years of that community. Right. So there's really no end in sight yeah. to this kind of work. You, But you have to kind of commit and be all in to have any, uh, you know, impact or, or um, I- effective kind of collaboration with the yeah. community. You're, you're building trust with people, and that takes time. I love how you put that. I mean, I think we're all kind of the business of building trust, whatever you do, I think we lose sight of that. Some people may lose sight of that. And I think here in Portland, hopefully less so Yeah, to our detriment for, like you said, right. for whatever reason. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about some of the impact now that you are years in doing this work here locally mm-hmm. that you would love to, you know, let people know about. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been really proud and happy with remaining true to the concept of Pi being an experiment and really looking to the community to inform the direction that experiment should go. So Mm -hmm. we started as a co-working space that didn't really work. And so we pivoted into a model called an accelerator, which is just a fancy word for saying, getting a bunch of mentors to help mentor startups. Mm -hmm. And the prevailing models didn't really work. For Portland, they were very, um, you know, focused on kind of raising venture capital, mm. growing fast and breaking things, and it just didn't meet the ethos or culture of the community. And so we've continued to revise that. But I think where I've been happiest about that work is we've managed now to move beyond just kind of technology pursuits and use that support mechanism as a way to support, you know, support people in consumer products, whereas. You know, my uh, co-founder at Built Oregon, Mitch Doherty, always says, you know, Oregon is the Silicon Valley of consumer products. And if we can figure out ways to leverage the expertise here to the benefit of early stage startups, that could be one of the most powerful things we've done. And I'm definitely most proud of taking the opportunity to step outside our comfort zone and, mm-hmm. and really work with a new industry and, and help them flourish. And yeah, I had a chance to talk to Mitch on the podcast, I think last year, it was kind of earlier in the pandemic. And I just love the work that Built is doing and there's just so much going on. And one of the things I would love to, uh, maybe this is like the the business gossip side of me, it's just uh, no, <laughs> I mean, well, you're really good on your blog about like announcing some uh, folks that have gotten funding or not yeah. even if they got funding, launching new things. So I'd love for you not to like put you on the spot, like rattle off some really notable things. Like I think um, one of the things maybe you posted today or yesterday is uh, I think they renamed, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Kids uh, kids Company About. It's maybe, a kids or? company about now. Okay. Yeah. So it started as a kids book about. And full disclosure, Jelani was a mentor in residence for us as part of our program, um, which is where we say, you're a really compelling entrepreneur that probably doesn't need as much help mm. as others, but it would be really valuable to have you here full time to help newer or, or first time founders. And so he participated as a mentor in residence. And it really all came out of a book he had written for his kids called A Kid's Book About Racism. And, uh, you know, Jelani's part of a blended family and, and 
was getting into conversations that were difficult and felt like you needed a book or a tool to do that work. And that just kind of struck a chord in a really amazing way. Obviously, given what we've gone through in the past year with George Floyd and those kind of mm-hmm. things, that was an inflection point mm-hmm. as well. But he's he and his company have discovered that it's not just books that kids need you know they want to consume podcasts they you know they see the same kind of master class commercials and and think why is there a master class for me to figure mm. stuff out so they're re- they rebranded because they're expanding into multiple types of media in an effort to really not only support kids and inform kids but to provide that bridge for adults and kids to have really challenging conversations and i think they raised maybe seven million yeah Yep. They raised seven million. I believe it was ninety three percent was from uh, black investors as well, which is which is a really um, yeah. important metric. Absolutely. And what I love about that is too is like you hear if you're in the business world of like, oh, starting a media company, that's just death. But which I totally <laughs> disagree with when it's a model like this where there is that demand for it and like said so that masterclass way. So I saw that and I was like, that is really interesting, exciting, and it's happening in our own backyard too. Well, so. and it's one I think it's one of those things where again, it comes down to motivation. Like just because you're motivated by a certain aspect of the business doesn't necessarily make it, you know, a, a less than viable business. Mm-hmm. I just love mm-hmm. how passionate the entire team is about solving these problems and and raising voices and and really kind of bridging that gap. And that that shows through as it being a very good business and a very right. good opportunity for people to invest in as well. Maybe one or two other that are kind of recent that maybe folks don't know about or not um, again putting yeah. you on the spot, Rick. But yeah, no, <laughs> going back to, you know, a kid's book about it was funny because Jelani's his first company here in Portland called Circle was a tech company. Mm. And so when we brought him in, we kind of assumed his next company was going to be a tech company, but it wound up being a consumer product company as well as a media company now. And but specifically in the consumer products world, I think, you know, Pan's mushroom jerky has been like mm. a crazy impressive, not surprisingly so, but, um, you know, Michael was great in the program and then wound up with this opportunity to get on Shark Tank and then like everything went crazy. Yeah. That one's been really, really fun to watch. Um, trying to think of some others that, well, one of the others that it's a little dated now, but having the opportunity to watch Cloudability go mm. from early, early days founding team all the way through a successful acquisition was just a really, really amazing to just be part of that journey along with them and mm-hmm. kind of a very small part of their actual story. But just to be there as an observer and along for the ride was was really an amazing part of Pi's work. Yeah, I mean, and just we all know folks that have come out of those companies and starting other companies here mm-hmm. locally, and they're keeping it local. Like I have a a good friend who who used to work for Elemental, and he he waited for his his cliff and got yeah. out with yeah. the stock, and he's just he's investing and stuff. So I I, I love that about Portland as well. So. Well, and hopefully we'll see more of that. I mean, while I'm cautiously optimistic about the market as it currently exists, you know, having gone through 
the dot com days, yeah. I re- I recognize irrational exuberance when I see it, but I'm hopeful <laughs> that this is maybe a little rational exuberance. Yeah, yeah. But um, what what I'm hoping is you're starting to see these companies either go public or you're seeing more acquisitions starting to happen. And I remain hopeful that that really starts to create this next generation of support for the founders that are just coming up then do that through, you know, investment or even mentorship, but just people who have been there and done that, who can help kind of guide the next generation, I think is an important part of this whole cyclical process. Well, and it's, I think it's, you know, not to you that you've been involved in that. And I think it's almost a given because those people have that ethos like you've instilled in them. Yeah, I, no, I, just, I, guilt, I guilt them into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it's like my parents. Shame and guilt yeah, is powerful. Exactly. Yeah, it works really, really well. <laughs> um, well, a couple of things as we end here, I think as a fellow kind of introvert, mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about this whole pandemic and the quote unquote, whatever transformation of work. And, you know, I love being out. I love meeting people in small groups and one-to-one things, Um, you know, doing this traditionally, I would only do it in person. And Mm -hmm. of course um, there's good and bad. So just for like the way you work and the way you interact with the community, um, how's this been? Uh, Both good and bad. So traditionally in the old world, I would, you know, a couple of days a week, I'd just be bouncing from coffee shop to coffee shop to mm-hmm. meet with different people or to line up a bunch of meetings in one coffee shop. And that wasn't the most efficient way to do things. I think this kind of virtual environment has introduced a level of efficiency that allows me to connect with more people who could be helpful to the community. That's been great. I will say from a purely pie perspective, I drastically underestimated the value of having people all sitting together in one room. I always Mm. understood there was value there and that there, you know, there were serendipitous things that would happen because of that. But I think being isolated like this has, has really for me demonstrated and brought into sharp relief that for early stage founders, Sometimes just the the being in the same physical proximity provides a level of emotional support that is Mm. impossible to recreate in a virtual environment. Yeah. I mean, I go, I, I, I just wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the efficiency thing is it's hard to go back to how inefficient it is running around (laughs) all over the metro area. Um, But we're all just more judicious, I guess, is one way to put it maybe. Yeah. Um, well, and I think I I overcorrect in that regard as well. I'm always like, why does past Rick hate future Rick so much when I wind up in like a string of like back-to-back Zoom meetings? I'm like, maybe I should program some time in here in between right. a meeting or two. So, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I personally have gotten a lot better at just being, I guess, I don't know if it's engaged, but just to get to connect better on like virtually. Like yeah. at first I was like, this is just not ever going to work but it's amazing there is it's a skill i guess there is a level of engagement you can really get a lot out of it yeah yeah and it and it's it's really interesting just to talk to people about their the way they've handled this like some some folks are find this more draining because they're 
extroverts and they really want crave that kind of physical proximity. Other folks are like, no, this is great. I could keep, I've learned how to do this. I could keep doing this forever. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And let's move to bend yeah. like everybody, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I don't know. Um, well, before we go, Rick, I just, you know, thank you for all that you do. And one thing that's really important, I wanted to get out there and wait, um, how can people support just the work you're doing, Pi, or or other organizations you want to shout out? Um, you know, yeah, I've you know I've been really lucky to get the chance to continue to work on Pi. I you know what Mitch has done with Built Oregon, like I'm a huge fan, and and would always encourage people to support them. I think the way people could be most helpful now is. We're very much, you know, given this experience, kind of rethinking Pi yet again. And we're looking for opportunities in the community where we may be able to have a positive impact that maybe aren't currently on our list of, of things that we do or mm-hmm. are entirely different. I think we're very much in the in the headspace of let's tear this whole thing down and rebuild it so that it's doing impactful work for the community. Let's not worry about like what we've done in the past because that's the past, but let's like, let's look to the future and think about what could really, you know, move the needle for founders in our community. Well, I'm excited to follow along Rick and and thanks for uh, taking the time to be on the podcast. Happy to be here. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.